0: Hey everyone, I'm Tom Keneschenko, a founding patron at Revelers DAO, and you're listening to the Revelers DAO podcast. Revelers provides funding and community to people willing to take on tough global challenges. We believe that all problems are solvable with the right knowledge, the right people, and a little bit of cash. I'm honored and humbled to bring you conversations with the world's top impact founders and investors to learn the tools they're using, how they're thriving personally, building good communities, and what they think the future looks like. Vitalik Buterin built Ethereum on a $100,000 grant. We can solve these problems, and we can prosper while doing it. If you're a young founder willing to take on a big challenge and need some funding, head over to revelers.wtf. If you'd like to join the Revelers community and help us pursue this mission, head over to that same link. Today I'm talking with Alessandra Solberger, the founder and CEO of one, if not the largest network, of impact founders and corporate leaders around the world, Top Tier Impact, which I've been a member of since It began many years ago. Alessandra has built an incredible community. She's built TTI very quickly. She's been in crypto since 2012 and she's made some great investments. I've always been impressed with how quickly she's been able to build communities and products. I learned a lot from her in this conversation. Enjoy. Alessandra, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. Great to be here.
0: All right. So you and I met in August 2019 at Blockchain Week in Berlin. We strolled the streets talking about the stuff that we were up to. And you told me all about creating a network of impact investors and founders around the world. And from there to now, you've created Top Tier Impact or TTI, which is, it seems like, one of the biggest impact investor founder networks in the world. So it's great to have you. You've been founding stuff to nudge the world in a positive direction for, for a really long time, which seems like your entire life, basically, entire professional life. How did that all start? Like, Let's go back to the, you know, your days at Oxford, talking about big ideas, moving from there to founding big ideas.
1: So I think it started earlier than that. Earlier than Oxford, I was about 11 years old. I started reselling my books and toys, and then I started doing it for other people. And it was just an initiative that came so natural nobody told me to do anything it just seems that i had become an adult i was 11. i wasn't reading those kids books anymore i wasn't using those videos as well we had vhs at the time and uh and so i started selling it uh in front of a large exhibition probably in an illegal way right you need permits for these things but I kind of thought myself, nobody's going to tell us off. We're just kids doing our thing. And I was training my friends on how to sell, stopping people. So it was kind of this initiative, right? Of uh, observing things, observing the world. And at the time I would say just for play, for fun, but always with a little bit of this hat of uh, seeing things differently. I think I've always been an insider outsider. I'm Swiss-Brazilian. I grew up in the Italian part of Switzerland. When you go to Italy, you're Swiss. When you go to the rest of Switzerland, you're Italian. And so I've always been good at seeing things from many different perspectives without necessarily being attached to one or thinking that one is just the absolute truth. I think these have served me well in more recent times or you know, in my, in my career as I reflected about. But yeah, when I got to Oxford, I guess things got a bit more serious you could say in terms of understanding what let's call it professional entrepreneurship is all about also the tech world obviously i i massively dived into that i started being on all the blogs learning about all the technologies i was literally on all the tech blogs every day absorbing things absorbing and learning of what's happening out there to the point that i think i mean i got familiar i have these very If I'm interested in something, then I just go all the way. And so I remember diving into that in the same way that at some point in my teens, I dived into the pop music space and I knew all the songs by heart. I dived into the tech startup space. I knew all the startups, all the investors, just everything. And so when Bitcoin came around, I spotted it in 2012, which, you know, you could say it's very early. It's 10 years ago. But actually at the time it had already been around for two, three years, but I remember just seeing it on Hacker News, which is Y Combinator's blog and thinking, wow, people are really, really talking about this. Cause I was so used to see what's trending and what's not and how people talk about things and just infer things from that. And so I just remember seeing that and then diving into it and suddenly thinking, wow, like these technologies so exciting. I have a background in governance design. I like to think about things in a systemic way as you know. And so I thought these technologies taking everything to the next.
0: They like to talk about it at Oxford. I've heard not that I was smart enough to go there, but they uh apparently. Yeah,
1: yeah, so so that was the beginning. It was the beginning both of my time in entrepreneurship more professionally as I said, but also of me looking at decentralized protocols and thinking about all the crazy things we can do with that.
0: I mean, to be on Hacker News, checking out Bitcoin at that time, that that is, yeah, I didn't see it until sort of mid 2013. And thank goodness there was, you know, one of my Google engineer friends was was kind enough to educate me on the topic. But what do you think drove you to be so interested in in using technology to make change?
1: Ultimately, I love to be at the edge of innovation. I love to explore our limits as humanity. I really do like thinking about our critical path as humanity. I really do like, I'm a big sci-fi nerd, as I'm sure you know by now, knowing me for a few years. And so I love to think about where we're going and, uh, you know, what that path looks like and, you know, what else is possible for us. And so, yeah, to me, innovation just feels like the natural place where to gravitate and to me thinking about, what's coming, thinking about how things are assembling itself or might be able to assemble itself just feels natural.
0: That's awesome. So we live in intense times. You and I have been engaged in thinking about battling the external world about, you know, pretty heavy topics for our entire careers. Well, first of all, I'm so grateful to have you involved in Revelers as a founding patron, so thank you. Excited about what we can do there. What gives you hope right now? So TTI is, has a whole bunch of entrepreneurs, investors, pretty big corporations, Goldman Sachs, I heard at one point, you're out there, you're seeing impact real time at the highest scale there is sort of across the whole spectrum.
1: What gives you hope right now? I would say that the way that people are activated, especially actually having gone through COVID times is unique. And I will give you an example. So, we were just with Top Tier Impact at the World Economic Forum. And so, during the whole week of the WEF in Davos, Switzerland, we hosted Top Tier Impact events every day. So, we had private lunches, investor roundtables. We even had a whole morning with an award ceremony, famous keynote speakers, announcements. Uh, as you may know, we ran the TTI Global Impact Awards for Impact Startups every year. So, we had all of these events, and what we saw. And that I observed as well compared to 2019, because I went to Davos during the WEF in 2019 as a speaker, and this was January 2019, so call it three years and a few months ago. I remember just coming back to London where I was living at the time and uh, feeling quite frustrated about the state of things, thinking, wow, this is actually something that I need to do something about because I saw a lot of talk and not a lot of action. And I couldn't unsee it. Right. And this was actually the genesis of TTI because we've been around for about three years at this point, actually. Yeah. Perhaps in terms of, uh, really being active less than that, everything has moved fast. And I think it moves fast when uh, you're truly aligned with obviously something that, as I said, you can't unsee. So you have like a strong push for, and obviously the need, the need is there. I think that in here, uh, it was almost like a mind share of let's move things, right? And let's, let's actually get as much as possible done because we don't have time to just talk about it. So that frustration actually was shared commonly. So there's the good side, there's the bad side, right? And typically, you know, at TTI, our motto is to say, we're about solutions rather than problems. And we're about action rather than complain. But that was one of the moments where I was like, this is really needed. And like, I need, I have to do something about it. So fast forward three years later, I am there. We're hosting all these TTI events and action is happening. Change is happening. People are activated. I saw a clear difference, not just at our events where we had impact investors, impact entrepreneurs coming and you know, really sharing what they're doing and how much is happening through what they're doing, but also just more in general, you know, the attitude of people is different people have more urgency. So yeah, I think that these, this is a positive thing that we have right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, TTI has moved real fast. It's impressive. It's a really impressive network. And I think it just struck a chord with so many people. I remember when you sent me the signup link, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do want to join a group of people that want to get together, create some impact. Filament, one of my companies, won won one of the TTI awards. And that was it was amazing. It was amazing to be to be celebrating impact in psychedelics with your community. I can't take much credit for that. The the team at Filament should take all the credit for that. But what do you think made TTI such a such a quickly successful impact project?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You refer to it as a network. And uh, I see it more as an ecosystem. I see it as an economy, an impact economy. And that's part of it. I think that's part of what made it this way, because I never started TTI to start a network. And we're actually so much more than a network. You know, actually, our investing unit is the most active thing right now. We have a consulting business that spun out an ESG software startup, you know, about we have so much that has really been sort of taking the driving seat. And pushing this forward in terms of the economic value that we are creating out there, we're about to announce a 100 million, actually, debt investment by development finance institutions in a financial inclusion startup in Africa that we help facilitate. And we think that these areas for emerging markets and topics like financial inclusion are highly impactful because... You know, a debt investment of that size directly translates in benefit for the end customer, right, that is enabled to be part of this economy. But, you know, that's just to give you an example, actually, we're so much more than a network at this point. But the thing is that, as I said, I didn't start it to start a network. I started it because I wanted to accelerate the adoption of impact as the paradigm through which we make investments and we run businesses. I saw a better paradigm for our economy and our society, but I also saw so much space to make it more efficient, right, to connect the dots better. And uh, someone asked me during the World Economic Forum at one of the events I spoke at, they asked me, what's your, um, what's one of your superpowers? And I was like, oh, hold on. And I, I said, I think I'm really good at connecting the dots in unusual ways and ultimately at tti mm-hmm. we see this happening at scale so we see these dots being connected sometimes in ways that i tell you like we will be able to announce a few at some point but ways that i think can significantly accelerate the decarbonization of our economy from an innovation perspective and the things that have been uncovered through the community that might have not otherwise, and so, yeah, I never started it to be that, and I think that's part of why it all moved so fast.
0: Yeah, and so what's now? Like, what is TTI now? What are you focused on now? What's the what's the current state of Alessandra's impact entrepreneurial activities?
1: TTI now has uh, several businesses within uh, the whole group within our ecosystem. And also, we cover pretty much all sectors because we're so horizontal, right? The way that we look at impact, actually, or the the pre-filter that we set in the way that then we go about impact in different sectors is really all industries, all economic sectors, and how they're transitioning to a sustainable, fair and equal paradigm, right? That makes sense for all stakeholders involved. So we look at ag and food. We look at energy and climate. We look at actually the financial industry and Web3 enabled applications like within all of that, which is kind of like, I would say, the fabric, right, of how we operate as humans, how we organize as humans. And so having Web3 empowerment, technological empowerment in various different areas of that fabric is what we look at. We look at, obviously, as you know, healthcare and well-being, like the category in which Your company, Filament Health, won our awards uh, because as part of that, there are psychedelics. Uh, We look at circular economy, both technologies and brands. And so we try to stay as an organization as horizontal as possible because, again, it comes down to connecting those dots. And sometimes in these spaces, more often than not, quite frankly, we see that something done positively on A might have a negative effect on B. And so this is why we believe in bringing together people from different geographies, different sectors, different stakeholder roles to reconcile that as much as possible. I ultimately believe that, or at least I, you know, I have a vision of how we will have a ledger, ultimately like a global ledger that will be able to eliminate negative externalities out of our economy. And this is part of what our startup, our software startup coming out of uh, top Tier impact strategies is all about. Uh, But until we get there, having these reconciliation of points of views and of expertise is really valuable in my view. And so, yeah, TTI has developed in different businesses, but also in being as comprehensive as possible.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're all figuring it out. You know, you and I have been founding stuff for a long time trying to figure it out. I was in the carbon markets, then I was in solar, then I was in crypto because I was like, damn it, we need new systems. And then I was in psychedelics because I was like, yeah, we need, we need consciousness. And here I am back in Web3 meets Impact. You've got a horizontal network of impact professionals and founders and investors. You've got deep crypto experience. You're, uh, as far as I know, you wrote a book on crypto. How do you see refi? specifically the use of Web3 to put the environment on the blockchain. What is your definition of refi and what is it today?
1: So we could call that the positive and impact driven usage of Web3 technology across any sector that can benefit of its core properties, such as traceability, transparency, lack of corruption in the data sets. But the way that I look at it right now, quite frankly, is are we adding more value at the intersection or are we leaving something behind? As I'm saying that because I think that it's very important, for instance, you take carbon offsets, right? And Tom, you have so much experience in carbon offsets, as you were sharing of uh, entering that market a long time ago. What I'm seeing in carbon offsets, unfortunately, is that often the, those learnings are not being taken in Web3 applications, and it's suddenly this hyped up area where people think, oh, there's something big to be built, like, let's just go into it and can enhance the problems rather than offer new solutions, right? My view, actually, when it comes to offsets is we haven't quite figured it out yet, but there are some things that for sure are very important, which come down to actually qualifying these offsets in a more granular way. Because right now, you know, offsets have become, and this is this really doesn't have to be bad, it can be a great thing, but they have become a straightforward way for companies to say, well, you know, we're offsetting, we're good, and kind of like brush something under the carpet. Is that actually a solution or is that exacerbating the problem? The jury's out depending on which company, which offset, what scale, right? All of that is not really being accounted. Why? Because as I said, often the incentives are, all right, this is a hot area, let's do something about it. Nothing bad with that, right? Drives so much positive innovation, but there needs to be a lot more knowledge in areas like that to make sure that actually we're offering new, better solutions as opposed to just enhancing or repeating previous mistakes.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it was was so interesting being... Early in the United Nations carbon development program, where you would, you know, go to Latin, i was going to Latin America, reducing carbon, submitting these applications to the UN. It would take like two years to get approved. I would have to pay like hundred grand to get KPMG to fly in and audit my projects, and then we would sell our offsets into the European market. And then the market, of course, died after two thousand eight. And I just hope that we can we can get it right this time. So, you're a crypto investor, you're an impact investor. What do you see the opportunities, the best opportunities being in investing right now in ReFi?
1: So, it's interesting because last year when we started our TTI Global Impact Awards, last year was actually the inaugural year. We hosted the ceremony in the metaverse, as you might remember.
0: That was a year ago? Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're the second. Seems
0: like much longer ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Same feeling here. But anyway, so what we saw that I really didn't expect because just in May 2021, I remember being busy answering questions about the whole BTC mining energy consumption usage, which I felt kind of like missed, really missed the whole picture, not just in terms of like what the technology can do on the positive side of things, but also all the sectors that actually have to reduce their energy consumption so much more badly. Right. Uh, like, let's start with the low hanging fruits and I can give you a laundry list of that. Right. So I was uh, I was busy answering questions about that. And all of a sudden I I see that in our award applications, we had so many Web3 enabled companies across pretty much every category. Right. And so that was incredible because, um, you know, and I can give you an example. I think that when when it comes down to tracking real-world data, obviously, there is like the, the oracle point side of things that gets figured out in different ways, depending on what industry and what kind of application we're talking about. Um, but ultimately, when that gets solved in a, in a good way, then we're really talking about taking our entire economy and that uh, corporate externalities, corporate negative externalities into a transparent environment where things that never got priced before can be priced, right? And so I think that what I'm seeing is that this is being tackled from different angles. Mm. There is a lot of awareness about this. So whether it's like software applications that relate to the current corporate decarbonization process, right? That is very alive for these companies. Why? Because regulation has kicked in quite massively now. It's a big debate on whether regulation understands what's going on or not, right? And the the jury's always out on these things. I've seen it in other sectors before, and it's very much like that when it comes to climate right now. Uh, But what I get to see through top-tier impact strategies, our consulting business, is that these huge public companies that now all have to report on their climate risks and their climate opportunities are suddenly looking at data sets that they never had to look at before. And they're figuring out not only oh wow here's what we're doing here's how we're going about it and we need to show it to the market transparently right and asset managers are not going to take bad scorings, like that's that gonna, that's going to come at a higher cost of capital for them but also what i'm seeing there is that there is a sudden waking up on the board level of the financial impacts and the material impacts that climate that environment is going to have on their whole industries and business models. And so I think the more these data can be taken online and tracked right across different sectors, like through Web3, and the more that sort of becomes common usage, right? And a common baseline to start from, the more I think that we can do a really great job in taking out negative externalities.
0: For sure. I mean, the beautiful thing to me about all the carbon Web3 stuff I've seen is that it is, yeah, it's transparent, but it's also creating a global market. A lot of the stuff that I did was these little isolated markets, you know, like taking the buses in Whistler from diesel to natural gas and then selling our credits to the province of British Columbia. And they set the price for the buyers and the sellers. And it was just it wasn't a global liquid market. And so now we have, you know, like the regen network as an example, where you can actually create environmental assets and plug it into the country of Ethereum or whichever, probably I believe Ethereum, and you create these global liquid markets for environmental assets. Yeah. Revels was focused on finding founders that are like you now or 10 years ago that are willing to plant a flag and be like, I'm using this powerful new technology, Web3, and I'm going to go tackle the extinction of X in the Amazon. What do you wish existed? What do you wish somebody would somebody would found uh, in terms of re- a refi application?
1: So maybe I will start with what I wish was already the case for the environment around that refi application. <laughs> if that makes sense, hold with me for a minute. So what I mean is that I think there is real financial backing and financial value in saying another era that I'm seeing happen more and more by the way, in saying let's create an asset that is backed by natural assets, right? Or re- let's let's just like take that and put it into a financial instrument. Yeah. I'm seeing companies coming out with that now that even have partnerships with the New York Stock Exchange and that are very plugged into the broader family office and institutional environment, which, you know, I'm a pragmatic visionary, I would say, and I like the pragmatic side because that's how we can really get things done. It's not about just leaving the old paradigm behind. That's an old way to look at things, actually. I believe in inclusion and I believe in sort of like seeing everybody's points of view as we transition. And so I think that the environment that actually has a pragmatic way of valuing and understanding these assets is very important. When you stop and think about it, right? I mean, all of us being in Web3 more or less question the value of our currencies, like our state currencies are there and other ways in which we have, uh, you know, we have kind of like created a disintermediated way to hold value, right? And have a store of value. So when it comes to store values that have an increasing and highly tangible value for our whole species, I can't imagine anything better than rainforests and other natural assets, right? And so I think that I want to see more in this area, but I also want to see the broader ecosystem understanding it better and better. So this is something to consider for founders that maybe can bridge those gaps as well. Those gaps need to be bridged if we really want to push this in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah, I I think you're doing an amazing job at educating people who are operating serious businesses in the, let's call it the old system, on what they might do in this new world of, you know, always on decentralized global markets. So thank you for doing that. So easy transition. What is the most pressing problem or threat that you feel humanity is currently facing?
1: Yeah, obviously there are the, the kind of simple answers to that, right? And what's happening with the climate, but actually I would zoom back and uh, talk again about what we touched upon earlier in terms of like tracking negative externalities and understanding the bigger picture. And I can draw a parallel from nature actually, because in nature it's been proven that we don't evolve as a single species like Darwin originally claimed. We evolve as entire ecosystems that are in balance. With each other, right? So there are feedback loops in the way that nature works in an extremely granular way. It's kind of like these incredibly potent ledger, these incredibly potent distributed ledger that stores and communicates with all information about all species and you know and and, and events and happenings. And so it just helps us evolve as part of that. So when we lose balance with our ecosystems, right? like something very tricky can start happening that leads to extinction. And so when we look at what we have achieved as a species, we have effectively through the power of the development of our technology and our brains and our way to communicate and collaborate with each other, we've sort of, you could say artificially, not really, Like I think it is all part of evolution, but we've taken ourselves suddenly all the way up to the top of the food chain where we didn't used to be. We've taken ourselves up there and then we've taken ourselves like a leap beyond that, right? And in the way that we are able to uh, influence negatively and positively nature, we've taken ourselves all the way out there, but we have lost track of those feedback loops. We are not able to say, when I do A, B, C, and D happens. Today, we're just not able to claim that we can do that in a comprehensive way, right? And this is a massive issue because while we have advanced a lot from a technological perspective and from a collaboration perspective as a species, right, where we have evolved so much, we haven't evolved in the way that we are actually able to track that entirety of ecosystem interactions and keep ourselves in balance because we're Mm -hmm. still reliant, very much reliant on these ecosystems for our survival and our evolution. And so I think that what we don't have right now is this way of being able to say, where are we at? Is this imbalance, like checks and balances, right? For our species as we enter this new phase of development. We don't have that. And I I see that this is part of why I'm so excited at the intersection of web three and climate.
0: Yeah, that is not something I've thought much about and it makes a lot of sense. So if you were to quit all of your wonderful obligations tomorrow and found something in refi what would you do
1: hmm, such a good question tom i see a few different things obviously <laughs> as we just talked about i think that to get to that answer i would probably have to follow what i just shared with you right now to the point where it leads me to a concrete application that i feel i can develop Fast enough and uh, make a real difference in a short amount of time, so I would have to follow that track. But I'll always start with the intention, yeah. And that track right now, you know, if I follow that track, it, it leads me to a whole bunch of different sectors, like you know, part of those we talked about earlier uh, in this chat. But yeah, I would say I would have to start with that push and then see where it leads me.
0: Sounds like you founded some stuff.
1: I mean, I I have something that is coming out of uh, Top Tier Impact and or strategy business that you know about, that I feel is very, very meaningful, you know, from that perspective.
0: I know. Tell us about that briefly. You've observed big companies trying to make impact for a long time. You've you've got a lot on your hands running TTI, and yet you've decided to co-found something that, I'll let you describe it, but you know, effectively tracks the environmental impact of large organizations. Um, why did you decide to do that, and what is it?
1: Yeah, so what happened is that out of our business top tier impact strategies, we work with, um, publicly listed companies on what's called climate risk scenario planning, which is a massive piece of mandatory legislation. It started for all UK public companies and now it's going all around the world. The SEC actually announced several weeks ago that they're going to do something very similar and very onerous. Yeah. You might have seen the, the announcements switzerland singapore europe everybody's following suit and guess what the same of this climate regulation is going to come for biodiversity it's going to come for water so we are actually just at the start you can compare it a little bit to what the financial industry more broadly went through with the dodd frank act so this is a, a big reform and so operating in the market as a public company and then eventually as a private company as well and i know from top tier impact members who run private equity firms that they are very much thinking about this and how to solve it for themselves. So it's coming for private markets just with a little bit of delay, but it's not going to be possible to operate as a company without reporting on all of this, without reporting on ESG data and ESG data more broadly is environmental data, social data, governance related data, right? So really comprehensive, big change. And what we observed working with large companies on this is, I mean, number one, obviously, where they're coming from, how they're thinking, what kind of processes are in place or need to be put in place for these to actually happen. I thought, wow, this is an amazing vertical to make a couple of angel investments in. And so I was looking for companies and uh, I sent several of those early companies to my colleagues running the business to see if we could use it with our clients. And what I kept on hearing is no because. And so I learned actually what is needed. And at some point, <laughs> putting the dots together and having a friend who, as a CTO and actually a CEO as well, has built the leading basically software for compliance in the financial industry in the world. And, uh, you know, he's run teams of hundreds of developers and full teams. And I spoke with with him just about what we were doing in the strategy unit. And he understood exactly the problem to a level of granularity that really impressed me. And so suddenly I went like, all right, how about connecting the dots in here with the person who has been spearheading our strategy business and doing this work. And he understands so well what the processes are in these corporate environments, right? And so you need to translate those processes into an automated, replicable way when it comes to software, because otherwise, like, you just cannot scale that, right? And so finding that intersection of scalability for having a much larger impact at scale with something that was never done before and has now become a priority for all of these companies, right? There is so much urgency. Like, this is what we set out to do, and this is how we signed within one month, like a large publicly listed client already and sort of like hit the ground running because there is a lot of demand and ultimately these companies understand that tracking this data, having transparency and visibility on all the causes and effects, because that's what we show with the software, we show causes and effects on ES and G, right? And so you touch E here, this is what might happen. This is, you know, how it's going to affect your score. This is how it's going to actually affect the entirety of the business, right? We're able to reconcile the full picture and then put it in a systemic view for the broader environment as well or for the broader economy, right? Um, And this makes a positive difference for them because they actually need to understand that, right? And there's been, you know, there's been no way with this data, this data is like out with their supply chain partners. It's, you know, within different I
0: mean, it's been like, let's let's, probably, let's not track that data. Let's not, we probably shouldn't talk about that data.
1: That's right. That's what happened until now, right? But now it's no longer possible to do that, right? And so what happens is like almost the reverse of that. It goes from, uh, let's, let's just forget about it too. Where is my data? How do I track it? How do I analyze it? How do I report on it? Right? So it's kind of like gone all the other way around. Panic.
0: Uh, I mean, you really sort of brought me up to speed on that where you're like, Tom, like the whole world now needs to A, track this data and then B, do something about it. Why are you part of Revelers? Why have you decided to be a patron in the Revelers DAO?
1: Well, to start with the pre-Revellers discussions that you and I had and getting to know also where you're coming from with your integrated understanding of like, where have we been? Where are we now? Where are we going? Like, that's always been something that I found so much resonance with. And, and so, you know, it was a matter of time, in my view, until it would surface into what is now Revellers. And so, you know, it does start with how we know each other and how I know that you want to approach these solutions, Right. It starts with that, and that it also kind of merges with the fact that, in my view, having structures like revelers out there, not only is the future, but is needed more than ever at this point in time, right? To again plant that flag and say, this is how we can do things. This is a new structure through which we can shape, like our again the fabric, right? I see, I see everything for dows and and pre daos you know it's just like normal venture capital models and structures are part of uh, enabling yeah. that fabric and i think that it's it's ironic that the venture capital industry funds innovation but hasn't innovated itself in so long right it's happening now and it's been about time so for me it's very exciting to be part of it
0: totally yeah i mean you and i are i feel like we're from a vintage where we've operated for a long time in the old world both of us have raised venture capital been involved in DAOs. Did you invest in the, in the DAO, the first DAO?
1: No, I didn't.
0: OK, I did and lost all my money, but I was happy to do so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's how it goes. <laughs> exactly how it
0: goes. What do you look for in a founder? If you're going to invest in, in somebody who's, who's out there planting a flag, willing to tackle a big global threat, like what, what are you looking for?
1: For me, it always starts with intentions. Like so many things in life comes down to the intentions. I feel that it's what lies below the iceberg, right? below what is visible in the iceberg and below what you find in the first layers. It's like what the motivations are, what the incentives are, where is this coming from? It's so important. And then the second layer of that is actually like the values and the way that explicitly or implicitly, and so what I mean by that is with awareness of it or without awareness of it, the founder shows up as a leader, as a person, right? As a team builder, as an ecosystem player who's going to have to sell, create partnerships, motivate people, how do they show up? How do they seem to be sort of um, interacting, right? As you can see the values, you can see the characteristics of uh, uh, someone. So that kind of ends up mixing off where the ego is at, where the intentions are at. And then above that obviously come the more straightforward things that people tend to talk about, like their knowledge of the market, their experience, Um, You know, all the other typical like box checking exercises, like size of the market, where's the market going? But for me, that comes after what I just mentioned.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. So we talked about this. I I learned this fairly recently, but as you know, Vitalik built Ethereum on $100,000 Teal Fellowship. Thank you, Teal. How do you think we find these people? Like, you know, imagine like you living in, Indonesia, how do we find these people who are willing to do with good intentions? You know, it's a lot to take on these, the types of projects that you've taken on. How do we find these people and then how do we support them? How do we find these founders and then how do we support them?
1: It's really about diving in. So how, how to find them diving in into an ecosystem and one way or the other, there needs to be a specific angle, right? whether it's the geography or the sector or whatever it is, right? I think that's a good starting point. And I was telling you earlier about how I found in 2012 uh, Bitcoin and really sort of observed the buzz around it, observed the discussions around it, right? Mm. And then ultimately found the people that were shaping that ecosystem so early on. And so to follow the thread, right, and really immerse, immerse in the discussions, immerse and have conversations and ask, right? Like, ask people, like, what's happening, where, who's doing what, right? Like, that's a process that can be done in so many different ways. But ultimately, I think it's like really trying to find depth in it, right? Um, And then in terms of how to support founders, like it's interesting that you bring up the grant program, because uh, sometimes it's a little bit overlooked in discussions, right? Of like, Early stage, series A, and onwards, growth stage, growth markets until a few months ago. Now, things are different, but have been very heated for a long time. But actually, like the pre seed gap, so the first money in gap, still being a gap for a lot of founders. And the question is how to bridge that gap and how to bridge it in a way that truly makes sense. And so, sure. you know, you might have young founders that have something truly unique to add and to build, but maybe need support on a couple of different areas, right? To integrate, to become also like the kind of person who builds that company, at least to a certain stage, right? And so there are different gaps in there to think about. Sometimes there aren't gaps, but one way or the other, I think that how to get from, <laughs> as Theo uh, says, right? How to get from zero to one, from the perspective of these was just, an idea to this is going and now we can enter the usual financing ecosystem that already exists, right? And has developed a lot seed series A and beyond, like bridging that gap is very fundamental at this point.
0: I think it's super fundamental. I think especially today, you know, when you and I started founding stuff, it was a different world. And yeah, I I really do believe in finding these people early and and supporting them in their growth. Well, where can people check out what you're doing today?
1: So I'm both on LinkedIn and Instagram at Alessa Berg.
0: Yeah, you're killing it on Instagram.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and LinkedIn has actually become an enjoyable platform as well uh, for myself recently. So I think LinkedIn and Instagram are the best platforms where to find me. And then toptierimpact.com is our website. And uh, as you know, we have both impact investors uh Around the world uh, as members of Top Two Impact, we also have impact entrepreneurs and we try our best to support them wherever they're coming from, if they have something meaningful. Um, as we do with professionals. So we have professionals or experts across different areas of impact. And so, you know, that's always open for applying and becoming a member uh for the ones who are leading the movement or helping us all with that
0: yeah you know i think i've been a i was an early top two impact participant i've been an unactive participant just because of my schedule i'm sorry but it is is a powerful community it's it's an active community so i yeah i encourage everybody to do
1: check it out and uh, and thank you for creating it thank you absolutely